Have you ever been frustrated trying to build a business that you love, connect deeper with your family, and take care of your physical and mental health, but it just seems like you never have time? In my search for those answers, I found out that there are three very specific things that family-driven entrepreneurs do in order to excel in it all. If you're someone who's interested in learning these three things, we have a free upcoming training that you can register for so we can share these three things to help you succeed faster. Check out the show notes or go to modernleadership.us forward slash workshop. This is a limited time workshop, which will be recorded just in case you can't make it live. Thank you for being willing to lean in and continue to grow. And above all, keep leading from the front leader. Welcome to Modern Leadership, the podcast, where we see things differently. I'm your host, Mark Hildebrand. I'm a husband, father, master life and legacy coach for leaders, co-creator of the Pushco Certification School and 20-year law enforcement officer from Southern California. Once I realized how leaders looked at things differently, I was able to lead myself to a 100-pound weight loss, lead more effectively in my police career, create a successful business, and a better connection with my family that was more aligned with the legacy I wanted to create. Now, this podcast is for ambitious, high-performing leaders who want to create more, but refuse to do so at the cost of the other important areas of their life, including their family and their health. People who are willing to see things through their modern leader lens. If that's you, welcome to Modern Leadership. Let's go. So what do you need to know in order to make your next job interview the best one that you ever had? That's the topic of today's video. I remember actually being the person who was interviewing people for a job once. And one of the people on the board with me, they shared, did you know that your past actions are predictors of your future? I didn't really understood what they said, but that's something that's going to flow through everything that we're going to talk about here today. Now, here's what's crazy. As humans, we can make a different decision based off of how we feel in this moment, and it can be entirely different than what we've done in the past. Unfortunately, though, we are normal creatures of habit. We consistently do things that we've done in the past because they've worked or at least have gotten us to where we are here today. Now, here's the awesome thing about that. And that is when you understand it, you can actually use this to your benefit in your next job interview. And I promise you're going to crush it. Now, I want to make sure you stay to the end because some of you may think, well, I've never been in a position and never taken some of the actions that they're asking me to take. But there's actually a few different hacks that I want to share with you here today. So even if you haven't been in that situation yourself, you can definitely prove what you're going to do in the future by thinking about this a little differently and leaning into what I'm about to share with you guys here today. Now, let's start off with part number one, which is how do you prepare for a promotion or just a normal interview? I'm gonna pass this over to Teresa to get us started. Number one is talk to someone, whether it's a supervisor or someone who has a similar position. People always love to give feedback. You can always have someone that can guide you through this process. Number two is research the role, what's required, and go above and beyond. Number three is to review the key company information, the mission statement, the goals, the initiatives. They will often ask you about this during the interview. And don't just memorize the information. Make sure you also give examples of what you've done in the past, but also how you can be a part of accomplishing those missions and goals. Number four is anticipate criticism. No one likes to be critiqued, but this is a valuable lesson that you can learn from. Number five is build a list of accomplishments. How can you prove that you're the right person for the position? Number six is differentiate yourself. What makes you stand out from all the other applicants? Think about the things that make you different and more adaptable than all the other candidates. Okay, now that you know how to prepare, I'm going to pass it over to Mark to help you with the actual interview. Now, I highly encourage you to go back and re-listen to those questions that Teresa asked you so that you can brainstorm some different ideas on how you can answer and approach each one. 
I also want to give you an idea into that tip number one, which is finding somebody to communicate and to ask questions of. Now, there's an approach that I always take, and that is like, I find somebody else who's had success in that area, whether it's somebody who's doing that job or has gotten the promotion before, and I just approach them in a very specific way. I tell them what my goal is in terms of getting this job promotion. And I sat down and I thought of all the people that I believe are the best in this specific position, and this person's name came up, which is why I specifically came to them. And I would love some advice and tips, not only on what I can do to pass the interview, but to become a powerful leader just like they are. I got to tell you, I actually really do mean it when I say this, but the amount of help that I get back in response has been a game changer for me. All right. So I said this before, and that is your past actions are predictors of your future. But what does that mean exactly? Well, let's get into some of the questions they may ask you and some ideas on how to get back into your past to show them that you're actually taking those actions already. Now I have a list of questions that usually come up during these job interviews that I'm going to give you in a second. But what I highly suggest is that for every single one of these questions, you think of one or two personal stories of how you've implemented these things in the past. Even if it's something in your personal life or outside of the scope of this new job, there is a way to go back and find something that you've been able to accomplish or do that will show them that you are capable of this in your new position. Let me give an example. Now, being a police sergeant from LAPD, I had to take a lot of promotional exams while on the job. I also both participated in and gave interviews outside of the LAPD in my prior careers and jobs. And no matter if it was when I was being a police officer or outside of that field, this question tend to come up a lot. Let's say you're going out for a supervisor role. They're going to ask you, what if somebody you're trying to teach or train is just not getting it? What are you going to do as the supervisor in that specific situation? Now, remember I said your past predicts the future. So I would think of a situation that you've been involved in when somebody didn't get it. It could be at home. It could be in your business. It could be at work. It doesn't matter. But I want you to sit down and pull out the principles that you employed to help this person get it. You don't want to be in theory land, which is like, you know what? If that were to happen, this is what I would do. You want to get back into this is what happened and this is what I did. You see the difference there? So for this example, somebody was asking me, what would you do if you were a field training officer And your probationary officer was just not getting it. Now, I wasn't a P3 or a field training officer at the time. So how would I be able to answer this question? But you see, I had set myself up for success in the past. I had saw somebody who was on probation, who was struggling to become a police officer, and I had helped them. And now this was my opportunity to shine. And so my story went like this. One day, one of the field training officers had to call in sick for work. And his probationary officer, who wasn't getting it, wasn't doing well. Now, whenever this happens, typically you'll have another field training officer who will step up and take on the role, but there just wasn't any in the roll call. So I did something unimaginable, and that was I raised my hand and I asked if I could be teamed up with this specific probationary officer. And here's the thing, having taught, mentored, and trained many different people, I realized that everybody kind of learns things in a little different of a fashion. And so when I started to have this conversation with him after I got assigned to work with him that day, I started to ask him what was working and what was not working what was helpful and what was not helpful. The first blaring thing was that a lot of people were using shame, guilt, or humiliation to try and get him to show up differently. And that's never helpful when you're trying to learn a new job. So that's one thing that I immediately removed. Now for him personally, he loved to see exemplars and examples of what things should look like specifically when it comes to reports. But unfortunately, his field training officers had never offered him that. So what I did is I grabbed a number of reports that I had written and I shared them with him And I actually went over them and answered any questions that he had. He was very thankful for me. And over that weekend, I guess he went home and he started to explore all the different reports that I had written. 
When he returned the next week, it was a game changer when he reconnected with his field training officer. His field training officer actually came up to me and said, I just want to thank you for the energy and effort that you put into this. Like, it has truly made a big difference for him. Okay, now scene. Quick question. Having an interview with me, me telling you that story of how I'm actually doing the job now, what do you think the chances are that I would actually get the job? Now, the truth is, sometimes there's some politics and it wouldn't happen. But in this actual instance, I did get the job and it was like my seventh or eighth time of taking the interview. But instead of talking about what I would do in that situation, I actually explained how I did handle that and how I'm doing the job right now. That's what you want to do when you think about these questions. So what are some of the other questions that typically come up? Let me go over some right now. So tell us about a time when you had a conflict or handled a difficult situation. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Why do you feel like you're a good fit for this role? What have you done to prepare yourself for this role? What do you think others would say about your work ethic? Can you tell us about a goal, a standard, or a rule of the organization and why you believe it's important? And then, of course, there's always questions about hot topics, things that you know a lot of people are talking about. For us in the police world, bias was a really big thing, as well as discrimination and sexual harassment. So whatever it is for you, make sure you do your research and you're very definitive on the actions you would take if those things were to happen. Now, for me personally, what I would do is I would go back and listen to those questions and come up with one to two different stories that really show how I implemented those things in the past. What's awesome is that even if they don't ask you those specific questions, sometimes when you get to know that story really well, you can actually inject it in multiple other questions, some of which you may not even know are going to be coming up. I've always found that it's good to have a story bank to lean on rather than just have a conversation about what you think you would do. Now, I want to talk really quickly about the end of the interview. Now, some people call this the closing statement. Some people allow this, some people don't, but I want you to be prepared anyway. Now, here's the thing. 20 to 30 seconds is what I've been taught is the maximum amount of time that you have to seal the deal. Now, a couple things you don't want to do. Thanking them for their time is never a great idea, but being confident when you're saying it always is. So I would practice whatever you're going to do for your closing statement, and you can even do a search on YouTube to find a few great ones, is incredibly important. Let me share mine with you today. When it came time for the closing statement, I said this. Now, I know you've heard many different stories, interviewed dozens and dozens of people, and it's probably gotten to the point where all the stories and all the answers seem to be molding all together. But this is what I want you to know about me. I am ready for this position. This is the position that I've been working my entire career for. Most of these activities I'm currently doing right now, and I will make you proud of your decision if selected. I also want you to know that even if I'm not selected, I will still continue to do my best because that's what my teammates, what the department, and what the organization truly deserve. And seen again. Sorry, I just want to make sure I separated that. But I got to tell you, after having that interview, you get to communicate with some of the people on the board. And they said that my closing statement was something that was different than what most people do. And it really called out to me and my integrity. And they knew that I was the right person for the job. Now, mind you, it took me six times of doing it wrong in order to find that out, which is why I wanted to create this video for you guys here today. Thank you for what you do out there every single day. You're the exact person that deserves this promotion. Go out and crush it and keep leading from the front leader.